2 Timothy 2, verse 2, uh, is the mission statement for the faithful men boundary. Uh, it's the biblical impetus for this ministry. Uh, the reason why that we're meeting on Sunday afternoons. And as we study this verse together tonight, you're going to get a better idea of why we have this ministry. But not only that, uh, this verse, I believe, really summarizes what God intends for every believer. And so this message is not only for our faithful men, uh, but for every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at what our responsibility is uh, to our Lord and Savior as we look at this verse. Now, first, you need to understand, as we're looking at, at 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, that this verse is in the context of a, a, an entire letter that the Apostle Paul was writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. This letter uh, gives us the last inspired words of the Apostle Paul. Soon he is going to be executed. Uh, he's probably penning this letter from a, a Roman dungeon. He's definitely imprisoned uh, when he's writing this letter. And uh, it's a pretty desperate time for the Apostle. Pretty soon he's no longer going to be able to keep preaching the gospel because he's going to be gone and with the Lord. And not only that, if you look in 2 Timothy 1, verse 15, he says to Timothy, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And so all these people in Asia have turned away from the Apostle Paul. Uh, later on in the letter you read that only Luke is with me. And so the Apostle Paul is alone. He, he's soon going to die, and you really get the feeling as you're reading this letter that Timothy is the only person that the Apostle Paul can turn to in these last moments of his life. And so Paul is making preparations for his death and how his gospel ministry is going to continue after he's gone. And that's where we come to 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, or we'll begin reading actually in verse 1. The Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Heavenly Father, I just ask once more that you would help us as we look at this passage of Scripture. Please uh, give me your power, give me your clarity uh, to speak in a way that would help your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in this verse, I want to show you four components of our mission statement for the Faithful Men Foundry, but really uh, for our mission as a church. Number one, there's gospel treasure. Gospel treasure. Notice that first phrase in verse two. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Now we're using the word treasure. Uh, to describe the things that Timothy had heard of the Apostle Paul, uh, because the language here speaks of something of great value that is being committed to another person for safekeeping, that is being entrusted to someone else's care. The Apostle Paul uses this language a lot in the pastoral epistles. In uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 18, he writes this to Timothy. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. 
He's committing a charge, a command to Timothy. And then at the end of that first epistle, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 20, he says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. So there's this treasure that the Apostle Paul is handing over to Timothy for safekeeping before he passes on. But what is this treasure? Well, if you look in 1 Timothy 1, verse 11, it's just a few pages over. 1 Timothy 1, verse 11, this is the treasure that Paul is handing over to Timothy. 1 Timothy 1, verse 11, he says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. You know what this treasure is? It's the gospel. That is the treasure that Paul is handing over to Timothy, and he wants him to hand over to faithful men that can teach others also. Gospel treasure. That's why we're having the faithful men boundary. But I want you to notice first about this gospel treasure, the contents of this treasure, the contents of this treasure. When you open the treasure chest, if you will, of the gospel, what are you going to find inside? What makes this a treasure? Well, could you turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 1? And here the Apostle Paul is going to really summarize for us this gospel treasure. 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, what were these words that the Apostle Paul had said to Timothy and had uh, gone about preaching? It was the gospel. And then verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And notice verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So this is the treasure, the gospel. But, but what are the contents of this gospel message? What are the contents of this treasure? Well, number one, we see from these verses that when you open up the treasure chest of the gospel, you're going to find first salvation. Salvation. Notice verse 9. He, he's summarizing this gospel message that he's been preaching. And he says in verse 9 of the gospel that's according to the power of God, in verse 9, who hath saved us? So there's this element of salvation inherent in the gospel message. Now the word saved, it means to be rescued or to be delivered. If someone's going to be saved, they have to be in danger in the first place. Uh, I think back to just a, a week or two ago of DeMar Hamlin, the uh, NFL player who 24 years old, that's younger than me, as healthy as can be, uh, playing in one of his first uh, NFL games as a starter, living out his dream. 
and he went to make an ordinary tackle like you do on any football play, and he was struck in the chest in just the right place at just the right time, and he had a heart attack on the field. It's a very rare thing to happen in sports. Most people watching had never seen anything like it. He collapsed to the ground, and literally, he lay on the ground dying. All of his teammates uh, witnessing what happened were in shock. Uh, there was a, a, a desperation in the air. The, the, the medical staff uh, rushed onto the field, uh, were, were administering CPR and, and treating him as best they could. Uh, but he was literally lying there as a 24-year-old man dying. And everybody knew that his situation was critical. And had the medical staff not rushed to his aid and treated him with exactly what he needed, he would have died. But thankfully, those, that medical staff saved his life. He was, in, he was in danger of dying right then and there, but he was saved. Now, every human being, whether they realize it or not, is in just as desperate a situation as Damar Hamlin. At any moment, we, uh, whether you're 24 or whether you're 58, it doesn't matter how old you are, at any moment, God could take our breath away and our life could be over. And not only this matter of death, uh, but there are, there are three enemies that we see in Scripture who are, are, are trying to destroy us. And the gospel message of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can save us from these enemies. And number one of these three enemies that the gospel intends to save us from, number one is Satan. He is the enemy of our souls, who we're told in John 8, 44, he was a murderer from the beginning. What is Satan out to do uh, to every human being? He's out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's a murderer. He's the enemy of our souls. But not only Satan uh, do we need to be saved from, but number two, we need to be saved from self, from self. Romans 8, verses 6 through 8, describes our flesh, uh, the natural self, and says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. What, what, what so many human beings don't realize is that they have an enemy in Satan far worse than anything they can imagine that what's to destroy them. But what people also don't realize is that their own selves, their own flesh, their own selfishness uh, is really out to destroy them. And then number three, the third enemy, which really sums it all up, is sin. Sin is anything and everything in opposition to God. Anything that is contrary to His good and right law James 1 verse 15 says, Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And we could include uh, in this enemy of sin the world system because 1 John 5 verse 19 says, The whole world lieth in wickedness. So every human being uh, is threatened by these enemies of Satan, self, and sin, and only the gospel can save them. When you think with me, how do these enemies of Satan and self and sin, how do they operate? How do they attack us? How do they function? Well, it's all fueled by.
by lies. The, the, the devil, he's a murderer. And if you keep reading uh, that verse that we mentioned earlier, John 8, 44, he's a liar. And that is how he does his work. He lies to us about who God is and what's best for us and gets us to disobey God. And in disobeying God, the, the, the origin of all life, we embrace death. And so the only thing that can save us from this certain death and, and from the lies of the devil is the truth of the gospel. That's why in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, we read that it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior to pray for all men because God will have all men to be saved, and notice this, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So in the Bible, being saved is really equated with coming to the knowledge of the truth, the truth about who God is and how desperately we need to be saved. So this gospel, it, it gives us salvation. But then number two, it, inherent in this treasure of the gospel is in holy calling and holy calling. Notice verse 9 of 2 Timothy 1, who has saved us and called us within holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So when you get the gospel, when you receive and believe the gospel, you get not only salvation, but you get a holy calling. What is this calling? Well, Romans 1 verse 7 and 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, uh, as the Apostle Paul is writing to believers, he tells them that you're called to be saints. So God's desire for every human being is not that our lives would be destroyed by Satan, sin, and self, but that our lives would be saved by the Lord Jesus to live as saints. Saints are, are, are holy people capable of bringing God glory. But in Romans 8, we see our calling summarized beautifully in these words, Romans 8, verses 28 through 30. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them are who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What is God's will for every human being? What is God's will for every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? What is our calling? That we would be conformed to the image of His Son. That we would become like the Lord Jesus. Because only then can any human being's life bring glory to God and please Him. When it is conformed to the image of Christ. And only then can a human being be restored to their God-given purpose for existing, namely bringing glory to God, reflecting His image, and enjoying Him forever. It's a holy calling. And the gospel is what gives it to us. So this gospel treasure involves salvation, a holy calling. And then number three, we see here in this passage, this gospel treasure involves eternal life. Eternal life. Look at verse 10 of 2 Timothy 1 but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through 
the gospel. That's the treasure of the gospel, that we are given eternal life, that we don't have to fear death, that we know where we are going when we die. You know what's interesting about what happened with Damar Hamlin? For a few moments that evening, much of the world, everyone at least that was watching that game, was faced with the fact that the only person that could save Damar Hamlin that evening, the only person that could preserve his life was God. Yes, those medical staff would be instruments that God would use, but only God could preserve his life. He was in that much danger. You know, you know what so many people didn't realize that night? That they prayed for Damar Hamlin. They asked God to save him. There, there was much prayer for, throughout the week. But now that he's okay, people have returned to their ordinary lives, and they've seemingly forgotten the seriousness of death. That whether you die at 24 or, or you, you die of a good old age, you're still going to die and you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ can give people the certainty that death is not a cruel end, but that it's a gateway into an eternity with God. Only the gospel can give people that hope. Only the gospel can give people that certainty. It's a treasure that we've been given. That's the contents of the gospel, that it gives us this salvation, it gives us this holy calling, and it gives us eternal life. But I want you to also notice the context in which this gospel treasure was given to Timothy. We've already talked about how these are the last moments of Paul's life. He's he's pretty desperate to, to, to commit this treasure to Timothy. But notice the context of this very verse, how the Apostle Paul says, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. So the Apostle Paul is being very clear with Timothy here. What I am trusting to you, this gospel, it is not something that we've just talked about privately in one-on-one discipleship or one-on-one meetings. What I'm entrusting to you is the gospel that I have preached publicly throughout the world, from house to house, and in churches all over. I'm entrusting to you what I have preached publicly. You know, there are many ways that the gospel can be conveyed. We have a website that is publishing the gospel. We have a Bible study that we like to do with lost people. But there's just something about the public preaching of God's word that God has chosen as his chief means of publishing the good news. I wonder how many of us in here, you could raise your hand, how many of you uh, were saved as a result of a preaching service? So you were, you, you received Christ as your Savior at the end of a church service, maybe you went home or at the invitation, but your salvation was directly linked uh, to the preaching of God's Word. I can raise my hand, it was after a preaching service. A good number of us in, in direct connection to the preaching of God's word, we called upon his name. And I don't know exactly how it works. When I got saved, I can't even remember what was preached. I don't even think it was necessarily an evangelistic sermon. But in that environment where God's word was being preached by a spirit-filled man, I came under conviction of sin and knew that I needed to be saved. And I called on Christ's name that evening. Now, many of us didn't raise our hands, but how many of us heard the preaching of God's word before we got saved. We heard it at least once or maybe many times before we got saved. We heard the public preaching of God's word. Can you raise your hand? 
If you heard preaching before you got saved, almost every hand in the room is raised. Christian, that is not a coincidence. There is power in the preaching of God's word. And that's why he specifies here the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the public preaching of God's word. This is the treasure that I am handing over to you, this treasure of gospel preaching. But you know what else I noticed with these words? I think what we hear in the Apostle Paul's tone is that he's saying to Timothy, what I am giving to you is not a secret. There are many witnesses that know what you have heard, Timothy, and know what you have been entrusted with, and you owe it to these witnesses to be faithful with what you've been given. And I wonder in a room like this, as we're preaching uh, to the Thursday night faithful crowd, among many witnesses, everyone here knows that we've all been given this precious message of the gospel. And we owe it to one another, to those who know what we've been given, to be faithful with this treasure. And especially you young people who, like Timothy, have been raised hearing the gospel from a young age. There are many people counting on you to be faithful with what you've been given. So we've seen the content of the gospel, the context in which this treasure was given to Timothy. And then next, I'd like you to see the changelessness of the gospel. The changelessness of the gospel. Notice, he says, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. You don't need to change it, Timothy. You don't need to bring it up to modern times. You don't need to edit it to fit whoever the crowd is. The same message that I preached is what I'm committing to you and what you're to commit to other faithful men. And aren't you glad that we get to preach the same gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ preached? The same gospel that the Apostle Peter preached at Pentecost. The same gospel that turned the world upside down in the first century. That is what we have been entrusted with. That is what we get to preach. Could you jot down this reference? Jude 1 verse 3. The Bible says, Behold, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, that's a synonym for the gospel, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It was delivered once, and it doesn't need changing. That is the treasure of the gospel that we have been given. But number two, as you're taking notes this evening, so we're looking at the components of our mission statement for the Faithful Men Foundry and, and for our church. Number two, we find in this verse, not only gospel treasure, but gospel trustees. Gospel trustees. Notice he says, the same commit thou to faithful men. A trustee, it's a person to whom property is legally committed in trust to be applied either for the benefit of specified individuals or for public uses. Or another definition is one who is entrusted with property for the benefit of another. You know, that's what God has done with the gospel. He has entrusted this treasure to us, this saving message for the benefit of all mankind. And we, as believers in the Lord Jesus, not just men, but every believer in Christ. We are trustees of the gospel. 
We have been given this treasure to be faithful with it. Notice it says that this is to be committed to faithful men. And I'll give you a two-pronged definition for faithful. Faithful means to be, first, worthy of someone's faith. So that ties in with it the idea of being reliable. You're someone that can be depended on, someone that can be believed in, someone who is worthy of my trust and of my faith. And I wonder when God looks down at heaven and he sees all that we've been given, are we being faithful with it? Can he trust us to be faithful with the gospel message, to obey it and to proclaim it? Are we reliable trustees of this treasure? But faithful, it also means to be full of faith. You know, the beautiful truth about this is that if you are full of faith and begin to really, truly believe this gospel, you really believe it is as good as God says it is. When you're full of faith and you begin believing God's word and truly believing the gospel and applying it to your everyday life, you're going to become the type of person that can be described as faithful. Someone who is reliable and someone that can be counted on to be a faithful trustee of the gospel. In Luke chapter 12, a lot of the same language is used, and the Lord talks about a faithful and wise steward. And then he says in Luke 12, 48, Unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. If we've been given the gospel, we've been given much. And God expects us to be faithful trustees of this gospel. Notice also in this text, not only is there this gospel treasure, which has been given to us as gospel trustees, but there is also a great need for gospel training. Gospel training. Notice it says, of these faithful men that are trustees of the gospel, who shall be able to teach others also. Able means to be competent or, or adequate for a particular task. You know, we, we go to the hospital and we expect doctors to have gone through all of the schooling necessary so that they're adequate for the job of administering medical treatment. We expect nurses to go through lots of training. We expect policemen to know what they're doing. All of these different people, we expect them to be adequate and competent for the tasks they're given. How much more so people who've been entrusted with the saving message of the gospel? Should they be adequate and apt to teach it? In Mark 3, verse 14, we read of how the Lord Jesus sets the example for us. The Bible says, He ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. And what I want you to see from that verse is that the Lord Jesus didn't just call these disciples to himself and the next day send them out to start teaching and preaching others. He, he, he first of all required that they spend quite a bit of time with him, learning from him before they were able to go out and preach. And how much more so with us as believers do we need to be trained at the feet of Jesus how to be faithful trustees of the gospel, and how to proclaim it to others. And that is the goal of the Faithful Men Foundry, to give some practical training and teaching so that our faithful men will be able, will be competent and adequate to teach others also. This is why we have Faith Bible Institute, 
so we can get grounded in God's word and be adequate and competent to teach it to others. But lastly, here in this verse, we see that once we've understood, hey, we've got a gospel treasure that is the only means of salvation. It restores people to a holy calling. Once we've understood, this is a gospel treasure and I am a trustee of this gospel. And once we've received the training and are prepared to declare it to others, then number four, there's the need for gospel transmission. Gospel transmission. Verse finishes, who shall be able to teach others also. That's the Great Commission. Not hoarding what we've been given, not just sitting on our talent like we've been given, uh, like that man in the parable who just hid his talent in the dirt. But no, transmitting this treasure to others. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Remember, the Lord Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Christian, if you'll ask God to open your eyes for opportunities to transmit the gospel to others, he's going to open doors. And this isn't just for faithful men. All of us have opportunities to share the gospel with others if we'll just ask God to open our eyes. So there are four components to our mission statement. We've got the gospel treasure, gospel trustees, gospel training, and gospel transmission. And this is why the Faithful Men Foundry is so important. Uh, we need men who are equipped to take the saving message to others and to preach the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gospel that you've given to us. It's far better than our feeble tongues can even begin to describe. It's far greater than our puny minds can begin to comprehend. But Lord, we thank you that even for all of our, our frailties and our foibles and our shortcomings, that you in your abundant grace and mercy and goodness to us have entrusted us uh, as trustees of the gospel. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be faithful in this calling. Lord, that whether uh, we're men or women, boys or girls, we would all uh, not take the gospel for granted. And, and we would uh, get ourselves equipped uh, to share it with others. And then that we would busy ourselves with getting this gospel to people who desperately need it. Lord, please help us to internalize these truths. And we pray that you would bless the Faithful Men Foundry, uh, that we would really live out this verse and put it into practice. Lord, please bless this brief invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, if God has spoken to you, would you take time to respond?